here's today's transformational truth. Kingdom diversity is the church's divine identity. Welcome to the Transformational Truth Podcast, where we're committed to eliminating the obstacles that take the joy out of life and leadership. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Transformational Truths. With us today is author, pastor, and leader, Ray Orozco. Pastor Ray is a lead pastor and church planner with over 25 years of experience in developing and growing multicultural ministries and developing leaders. So here's today's transformational truth. Kingdom diversity is the church's divine identity. And today we're talking about what it means from a biblical perspective to cultivate a life-giving multicultural ministry or organization. Uh, this is a topic that's very near and dear to my own heart. And in her brand new book, He Had to Go There, The Multicultural Mandate, Pastor Ray tackles this kingdom conversation with skill and God-honoring conviction. I'm so excited to have her on today. Pastor Ray, thank you for being a guest on Transformational Truths. We're honored to have you on. I am delighted to be here with you, Pastor Travis. Thank you for this opportunity. Well, yes, we've been looking forward to it. I know it's been on the calendar for a little while, and I was excited about this conversation um, because uh, I've heard you talk about this topic before. Mm-hmm. You and I were able to to converse um, in the midst of your project, and there's so much uh, gold in this book um, that you've just released, uh, and you speak about it with so much conviction. So I know it's going to be rich for all of our listeners on that note, um, you have just released your very first book project, uh, That's and, right. you, and you boldly tackle, Ray, you boldly tackle the important biblical issue of cultivating a multicultural mindset. So my first question is simply, what compelled you to write this book? Well, Pastor, let me first thank you for your rich contribution to this project. Uh, the things that you and Tina, as you have pastored there in Atlanta, have articulated, even in your value systems in the church that you lead, were so powerful and convicting. I put some of them in the back section of the book, which is tools for pastors and leaders. And I, I just want to thank you for the rich conversations we had together, uh, the way you illuminated so many beautiful passages in the scripture in such a distinct way and the great tools that you offered to pastors. So thank you for that. What uh, compelled me to write this book? Well, uh, for a long time, I didn't write the book because I thought, who needs a white lady to talk about racism, right? (laughs) But really two things pressed me through that um, hindrance. And the first is the passionate focus of Jesus in the word to reach all people groups and his great commission that we would do the same. Jesus' dream church is one that reflects the cultural mix of every tribe and every language and every nation in the world. 
And his church should reflect what I like to call unified diversity. But sadly, as Dr. Martin Luther King stated over 60 years, Sunday at 11 o'clock is the most segregated hour in the week. It is imperative that we break through our natural inclination to congregate according to likeness. That means skin tone, race, culture, politics, social standing, economics, age, and instead that we become intentionally diverse in modeling a multicultural mandate of Jesus and inclusive gospel that Christ brought. And I believe it is possible. Uh, it is one of those powerful, possible impossibilities that God presents to us in the word. Uh, we built a large multicultural church in Tucson, Arizona, where racism and sexism has had a deep stranglehold for hundreds of years in the mm. West. Mm. And the purpose of this book is to say it's possible and to embolden and to equip leaders to do the same. Mm. Wow. Um, Ray, can you take a minute on that note? Uh, like I said, I mean, out of the gate, we hear uh, the passion in your heart, the God-given passion in your heart for this biblical mandate. And I'd love for you to just take a moment, uh, if you would, and define what you mean by the multicultural mandate. Can you can you sort of just take a minute and help us, our, all of our listeners, get, kind of get our head around what does that look like? What what is what is practically what does that mean at a at a grassroots level? Well, let's start generally with scriptures that all of us embrace and love, um, and quote, starting in Matthew, uh, where Jesus says, "Go and make." disciples of all nations, how it is said in Mark 16 that he said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. And the word here in the original language, as most of us who study the word know, it is ethnicities. Go and preach to the ethnicities of the world. Mm. And as a church, we have done a good job through the millennium of sending missionaries to preach to the different cultures and different nations. But we have not been so good at including those nations and in, eth in ethnicities in our local churches, especially here in the United States, when they live quite literally in this day and age right next door to us. Mm. But the command to go by Jesus, as we see lived out in Acts, was to the Jerusalem ethnicities as well as going to the other parts of the world ethnicities. Mm -hmm. And Jesus lived this out in real time when he led his disciples begrudgingly, dragging them to the local ethnicity of Samaria. Now, they had had a long history of racial mixture, of religious mixing, and there was a long hostility between the Jews 
and the Samaritans. In fact, most people would skirt around Samaritan. Most good Jews would never step a toe on the dreaded Samaritan soil so that their clothing wouldn't brush up against Samaritan clothing and they would not dip uh, their water jug in a Samaritan well. There was an incredible racism and hostility between these two people groups. But Jesus, John 4, 4, had to go there, not because it was a geographical necessity, but because it was a spiritual imperative. Mm. And right there, though the Jews thought the Samaritans were very much outside God's covenant, his disciples found out that day that the Samaritans were very much within Christ's love embrace. And there on that day, Jesus led his disciples face to face with their own religious prejudice and their own sense of racial predominance face Mm. to face. And there a gospel revolution began. It is in these pages that we find that the gospel is all about equalizing every man, woman, and child's ability to come to the feet of Jesus. And therefore, we have to understand that the gospel does not give privilege to any one race, to anyone in one economic uh, strata, to any one generation, to any one language. The gospel is the equalizer of all men and women. Hmm. Now, the Jews, even after Pentecost, punctuated the point of the cross and the opportunity of salvation. Even Hmm. then, we find that the Jewish believers still were reticent to move the gospel beyond their racial and Jewish boundaries. And so the Holy Spirit was incessant and he would not allow that to continue. Mm. And in Acts 10, we find a conversation of the Holy Spirit uh, with Peter in expanding him beyond his threshold, beyond his borders to accept and go into the house of a salami pork eating Gentile named Cornelius. And from that point on, we find a pivot point of the church where it really meant go next door. Mm. That going to all nations meant inclusivity in every way. Wow. 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 Rich, uh, Ray, uh, Pastor Ray, in in the book, you have um, a great quote from Ray Chang who said, in the simplest of terms, If you don't care about diversity, you don't care about the kingdom of God. Everything from the genealogy of Jesus to the vision in Revelation shouts diversity as a part of both the present and Mm. eschatological vision of God's kingdom. What a a great and powerful quote. Um, Yeah, absolutely. With, With that in mind, with that in mind, in your opinion, what does it look like for the church specifically to embrace that mandate? Well, first of all, Dr. Ray Chang is a brilliant spokesman and orator and thinker on inclusivity in the American church specifically today. The local American church must shift to be relevant 
it must shift from seeing our mission field as across the world, although it always will continue to be. But yeah. we must uh, shift from also understanding that current statistical migration numbers tell us that the greatest movement of people groups in history is happening right now. Too much we see this move of people onto our shores as an invasion instead of as an opportunity. Mm. But what God is doing is he's literally bringing the nations to the houses next door to us and to the businesses that are across the street. It is a divine opportunity that God is giving the American church. And so we need to shift in our thinking as spiritual leaders that we are not only called to our culture. We are not only called to our race. We are not only called to our particular generation or our particular economic strata. We are called to our communities and our churches should reflect the demographics of our community. They should not be monolithic in their consistency. They should reflect our community. Now, we may excuse a lack of racial diversity in our pew as clever marketing or as complex bylaws matters in some of our organizations, but we really need to check our heart. If it is not just a hidden form of selectiveness, because the gospel, Jesus broke down every wall, according to what Paul tells us. He broke the barrier. And therefore, we are now collectively members of one household. And therefore, our congregations should also reflect the fact that we are all members of our household. That means this. If you are a spiritual leader, uh, of a church or a nonprofit, or you are even in a business, a Christian leader of a business, we have to understand that Black people are not only called to Black people, that Latinos are not only called to Latinos and Asians only called to Asians and whites only called to whites. We are tasked with reaching and discipling our communities and our cities. And if we will do that, not one of our churches will uh, be monolithic in its race. They will reflect the richness and the diversity of our cities. But it will only start if you and I, as leaders, begin to recognize that we've grown up with racist ideas. Now, we love to say we're not racist, but the truth is everybody's racist. It is just part of our sin DNA to group with people that look like us, act like us, smell like us, uh, dress like us, eat like us, you know, um, and, and tattoo like us, you know, that is kind of how we are. It is just part of our sin and nature to label and classify people. But when we recognize that the whole understanding of Jesus gospel was to bring everybody in who would repent and claim his name, then what we can do is we can recognize that we've held on to racist philosophies and practices, even some of us ignorantly. 
and unknowingly. But if we will open our hearts to say, Lord, help us not have that uh, predisposition to racism or prejudice. Hmm. And that in some places we've even had biblically sanctioned and rationalized racism and sexism. So when we recognize it, then we can repent. And when we repent from it, we can start showing respect for cultures and people groups. And Mm. when we start respecting, then there's an opportunity for us to reconcile truly. And once we do that, then we will have Jesus dream church in our own pews. Wow. You make a very bold statement in your book that I want to share. Pastor Ray, you said, you said too many Christian leaders still warm their cold hands mm-hmm. at the heretical fire of prejudice mm-hmm. while it scorches the hearts and the hopes of God's precious people of color. Mm-hmm. And you wrote that after sharing a very vulnerable moment in your book. Yes. where you re- Yeah, you recount this incredibly painful experience uh, with one of your children. And you know, Pastor Ray, as I read that, um, my goodness, uh, I I found myself, my own heart flooded with a wide range of emotions, um, including frustration, anger, grief. Um, would you just take a moment maybe and, and speak to that? Pastor Travis, you and I share many things in common. We have a spiritual father in common, Bishop Mitchell Corder. We are part of the same uh, Pentecostal organization, and we past, have pastored and do pastor multicultural ministries. But probably one of the things that is most prescient that we hold in common is that we are parents of biracial children. Mm-hmm. And racism has been experienced close up and personal by us. And we have seen our children wince at racism in the places in the church where they should have been most welcome. Mm. The story I tell in the book that you're referring to happened after I had preached a weekend conference. And when I presented my beautiful biracial children uh, proudly to my fellow guest speaker at the end of the conference at a table full of leadership, um, that man looked at them and used the N-word to designate them. I I say in the story that uh, I had to hold my mama bear instincts back, you know, from leaping across the table in my Mm. stiletto high heels because (laughs) only the Holy Spirit held me back at that moment as I watched my precious son wince and tear up. And uh, as I pulled him behind me, uh, it was a moment to be remembered because this man had ministered with eloquence and power throughout the whole week. But you see, his excuse for saying that was that it was cultural. The thing is, is there is no excuse when you love Jesus to denigrate anybody. Absolutely. Whether you grew up in the South or across the ocean. Absolutely. Because kingdom culture overrides every other culture. Hmm. What was most painful in that moment was not the ignorance of the speaker who used that reference toward my son, but the silence and the acquiescence of the other leadership there at the table. Wow. But we can no longer be silent. It is a stand up and speak up 
kind of day that we live in. We have lost so many gifted people of color in our organization and in our pews because we have been afraid to speak up and to stand up mm. regarding issues of prejudice. And now we're losing an entire generation that has watched the church's hypocrisy on this issue and have been turned off by the church. We cannot tolerate this anymore because it is sin. Racism mm. is just sin. And it's time that we no longer try to put lipstick on this pig mm. <laughs> and that we call it what it is. Racism is sin as much as any other sin that we preach about in our pulpits. Mm. We should be standing up and preaching it as such. Because when we call it what it is, wholeheartedly repent from it, that's when things will begin to change in mm. our church in this country. Mm. Well, well, um, first of all, let me just uh, say, I, I, I don't know if I would have been as composed as you were in that situation. <laughs> I, I would like to think so. Um, I'm, I'm not completely sure. Uh, Ray, you talked, you mentioned the silence at the table. You, not just the words that were spoken that had to have been uh, not not just hurtful, but shocking, and especially in that environment, um, because I think we want to presume that everyone understands the pain of of such a, a, a word uh, in in the way it's used. Um, not to mention to use it at any time is not okay, but to use it and then on top on top of that, in, in a crowd of people, your son, a young man. Um, who already has to face the reality of of that in life, uh, it had to feel like a safe place, and suddenly it wasn't. But you talked about the silence from the others at the table. Can you just just for a second, what did that what what did that silence feel like? Betrayal. Hmm. Not betrayal of me, but betrayal of the principles of the gospel. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Wow. Oh, goodness. Um, Pastor Ray, what on that note would be your advice for uh, a ministry leader who might be listening um, or an organizational leader, and they want to cultivate a multicultural ministry, but they honestly, I mean, just genuinely, maybe they just don't know where to start. I know, I know I've had this conversation multiple times and, um, sincere conversations of right. ministry leaders and pastors they really they really just don't know where to start and then there's others of course that they they say what am i you know i don't know what to do i'm in this incredibly rural community um and either this community is predominantly uh, white or it's predominantly uh black and you know we want to be more multicultural we, we just we don't know how to be a part of the solution um, and I've, you know, thank glory be to God. I mean, those conversations uh, that I've had have been so authentic and so real mm -hmm. and rich. I'm so thankful for it. I'm curious, any advice that you could offer to pastors and ministry leaders that say, Pastor Ray, I hear you and um, I'm with you. I just don't know how and I don't know where to start. I talked with a entrepreneurial pastor the other day who has pioneered four churches, led a network of churches, sat on denominational 
boards uh, all the way and led uh, at the top levels an entire denomination. Uh, this pastor is from the Foursquare denomination and is just an extraordinary person. They got a hold of the book and they texted me just recently and said, Pastor Ray, all my years of ministry as an Anglo pastor, I did not know what I didn't know. Mm. But now I know, and I know what to do. Wow. Starts with a willing heart for God to open our eyes. See, the disciples, when they went to Samaria, felt completely comfortable mm. in their perspective of who God's covenant would include. Right, right. But Jesus led them somewhere where they had to confront that their mm. perspective was an error. I believe Jesus is leading the ministerium of our country, really of the world, to our own Samaria, to our own there. He is leading us there. Mm. And if we will soften our hearts and listen, I believe the Lord will bring a shift into our perspective and hand us the tools. It mm. starts there. It starts with willingness. A yeah. willingness to listen. Ask yourself, how many friends of color do I have? And do I listen to them? Do yeah. I ask them the hard questions? Or do I already have answers in my head that I want them to affirm? Mm. They're surprising conversations. Some of the most illuminating times of my ministry have been when I listened to somebody that was not like me. I heard their cry, their passion, reflected on their brilliance, their perspective, and it was life-changing. You know, we have a mentor in Bishop Mitchell Corder, and he has a saying, relationships are the currency of the kingdom. Amen. If you don't yet have relationships with people that don't look like you, it's time to get them. Because mm. that's where the treasure of a wider perspective and a wider harvest field comes. And then of course, get the book. The book is written <laughs> not from, it is not written from a perspective of an academic. It is really yeah. written from the perspective of practitioner because that's what yeah. I am. I yeah, have absolutely. 35 years in multicultural ministry. And the last section of the book is specifically tools to get you started in what seems like an overwhelming subject. Hmm. We don't have all the answers, but we do have ways to get you started on this wonderful, marvelous, messy miracle of multicultural ministry. Hmm. And just like Jesus told his disciples, don't say three months to the harvest, hmm. lift up your eyes yeah. for the fields are ready. And if you lift up your eyes, you as a minister will find a harvest field that is outstanding, ready, and available. Hmm. Well, fantastic. Absolutely. And I want to recommend to all of our listeners to pick up this book. Um, phenomenal read. Uh, it's insightful. It's biblical. It's uh, practical. Um, I, I have... in. in trying to tackle that question myself. One of the questions mm -hmm. I will ask in response, Ray, 
is are you willing to get uncomfortable um, Good. yes because if you're not then it's it's just never going to work you mm -hmm. you know th this is uh this is more than just an idea um you continually point to that crucial moment in john 4 and jesus immersed his disciples in a different culture yeah, um you know i mean it's like hey we're gonna walk way out we're, we're gonna walk you know way out of your culture and we're gonna sit for a while and in fact i'm gonna send you to go shopping in the market um in this culture and um I mean, he just totally, it was just, you know, I always, I, I believe in this principle, um, you don't rise to the level you aspire to, you rise to the level you're exposed to. Ooh, that's very good. Amen. Absolutely. And, yeah. and uh, if, if, if you're willing to get uncomfortable, it's 100% possible, mm -hmm. uh, regardless of, of which direction you're coming from. Um, and then the interesting thing, right, is, is once you're willing to get uncomfortable, you'll find something about, out about the discomfort. That is the place of growth. Uh, mm -hmm. That is a place of revelation. That is a yeah. place of richness, um, mm -hmm. relational richness, spiritual richness. It is an incredible yes. space and you find it something is. out. It it's is. Not, it's not just about building a ministry or a church. It's mm -hmm. about building you. Mm, so much so, Right. So oh. much so. And, and I believe it begins with humility because Absolutely. our problem sometimes is we think we know it all. Absolutely. We have our posture and our positions and our ideas. And uh, when we come with a sense of humility that says, I don't know it all, teach yeah. me. Yeah, absolutely. Then God opens absolutely. up areas and spaces that we never thought was possible. So if we'll have that, wonderful humility to step across, like you say, our comfort zones mm. and across the boundary lines of, of, of our comfort zones, yeah. then yeah. God will give us a harvest field we never dreamed possible. Amen. Yeah, absolutely. That is a great place to, that is a great place to wrap up. Um, I want to recap uh, quickly today's transformational truth, kingdom diversity, is the church's uh, divine identity. Pastor Ray, where can people find you? Well, they can find me uh, on my website, rayoroscoministries.com. I'm also on social media. But uh, if you want to chat a little bit more in person, I do consultation. I do a lot of uh, staff and leadership conferences and, yeah. and just even online times with pastors. I would love to dialogue with anyone about this important subject. Uh, but the book itself is found at pathwaybookstore.com. And uh, you can go there and you can get he had to go there, the multicultural mandate. It's time to go there. So Absolutely. let's do it together. Absolutely. If you'd like to connect with Pastor Ray, please check out the links that we've included for you in the show notes. And if Transformational Truths has been helpful to you, please do me a favor. Mm -hmm. Take a moment, go to Apple iTunes, rate the show, and write us a quick review. We want to help you restore the joy to your life and your leadership. Pastor Ray, thank you so much for being with My us joy. today. My joy. Thank you, Pastor Travis. Thank you.